When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You are listening to Rum Buncher Radio, episode number 23. Marty Leap, Trey Yannity, staff writer Cody Patenko with you tonight. Some devastating news breaking this week. O'Neill Cruz uh, has been accused of vehicular manslaughter of three individuals in the Dominican Republic. All kinds of reports broke early Tuesday morning. You know, we didn't know which information to believe. Uh, you know, there was a mention of alcohol being involved. Gentlemen, this this is just devastating, I think, not just for baseball, but for life in general. You hate to see something like this happen, especially to such a young, talented part of this organization. Marty, I know you had the article on it this week. Let's just get right into it. Where do the Pirates go from here now that this uh, tragic event has happened? Yeah, um, I mean, obviously, there are much bigger things to this story than the impact on a major league baseball team. But, you know, as, as a baseball podcast, that's, that's the angle we're going to go with here. Um, it's just, it's extremely important to extremely sad story. I mean, obviously just three individuals involved. You, you know, want to send a lot of thoughts and parents, good vibes, things of that nature, their families right now. Um, and to O'Neill Cruz as well. I mean, it has since come out that it does appear that he was driving under the influence of alcohol. That is not to say he was intoxicated or anything like that. I know from some digging around, the uh, legal blood alcohol level in the Dominican Republic is lower than it is in the United States. So, you know, you're not, you, you could easily be surpassed that without being intoxicated. Now, that's obviously that does not make drinking and driving okay at all. But at the same time, this does seem like it was a true and genuine accident. And unfortunately, it's an accident that if Hayes is found, or Cruz, excuse me, if Cruz is found guilty here, you know, it's going to not just end his baseball career, but probably ruin the kid's life, which you hate to see. Um, one of our followers on Twitter, Sergio Lucas, I got to give a thanks to him here. He is a native of Guatemala, so there have been times in the past, this included when there's been articles about some of our guys in the Dominican or wherever that were in Spanish, where he'll read them and give, give me an accurate translation of it. And he was reading one of the articles about all of this, and 
Cruz facing the prosecutors and all of that. And if he's found guilty, he will face up to at least five years in prison. So obviously, you know, if that happens, baseball is going to be over for him. And I mean, that's, that, that's a big blow to the Pirates organization. Uh, I mean, Cruz is one of the top prospects in baseball for a reason. He has unlimited potential as a slugger in the middle of your lineup. Um, we've talked on the podcast before how, you know, in an ideal world, by the end of the next season, you could look at a nice little lineup starting to form with Key Brian Hayes, with Travis Swaggerty, with Colin Moran, and with O'Neill Cruz. And obviously Cruz was a big part of that, and he's probably not going to be a part of that now. So, you know, this really does impact the, the organization moving forward. I mean, was he going to stick a shortstop? You don't know. So, you know, that creates further opportunity for Cole Tucker and Eric Gonzalez in the immediate future and in the more long-term future, creates more opportunity for a guy like Lever Perguero. Um, he could have moved to right field. He may have been the year-designated hitter. Regardless, that's a, that's a, that is what you projected to be, any, an elite-level power bat that you are no longer looking at being as a uh, core member of your lineup for a long time, like the Pirates had projected for Cruz. Yeah, and, and even if you look at, you know, from the beginning of the season, uh, before the, uh, you know, COVID pandemic, people were more excited about O'Neal Cruz than Brian Hayes at that point, you know, because he, like you said, Marty, he just had the power bat that everyone wanted to see in Pittsburgh. And honestly, we haven't seen it for a long time. Certainly, and and like you mentioned, Marty, obviously our condolences go out to um, you know, members of the families of those that are not deceased. But this really takes such a sting to what the Pirates had going. We had a conversation earlier today, um, kind of as a group at Rum Bunter, about the window of contention. We were talking maybe it was 2023. Now it's maybe 2024, 2025. Does this really shift the window of contention for the Pirates? Or you just, you know, next man up does the rest the wrong. To me, it, it doesn't shift the window of contention all that much, mainly because if you look at the way the organization is set up right now, your top pitching prospects probably weren't going to be in the majors and making a significant impact until 2023 anyway. You know, Quinn Priester, Tanash Thomas, Brendan Malone, Jared Jones, guys like that, you're probably we're looking at 2023 for them anyhow. But I've kind of felt all along they were on a similar path to where they were for the 13, 14, and 15 seasons, where 2020 was your 2010, where just nothing went right. 2011 and 2021 could have had a lot of parallels. You see in 2011 it was Tobin and Walker and McCutcheon and Pedro Alvarez and Garrett Jones and guys who went on to be significant bats for them starting to really start their rise. And then in 2012 – which could have been your 2022, you weren't necessarily a contender, but you were competitive for most of the season with that young core that took that big jump in 2013. And I think in 2022, you were looking at a lineup, you know, Cabrian Hayes at third, Ryan Reynolds and Travis Swaggerty to the outfield spots. Colin Rand looks like he is emerging as a legitimate middle lineup bat, probably first base. O'Neill Cruz, rather than short, first DH, wherever it was, you know, you were going to have a pretty, on paper, what looked like a pretty good lineup in 2022, and you're not going to have that now. 
No, no, like I said, again, with the, with the actual window of contention, I don't think this changes much because your pitching was not going to be there until 2023 anyway. Because other than Cody Bolden, none of your top pitching prospects were probably going to make the majors and really anchor down a spot in that rotation until 2023. But it definitely makes things more difficult. I mean, you know, look back at the 13th or 15th run, and just because they're both left-handed power bat, let's say you don't have Pedro Alvarez those three years. Those three years go a lot differently if, say, in 2011 or 2012, they would have lost Alvarez for whatever reason. Things would have changed significantly in what they were looking to do and what they needed to do. And that's where they're at now with Cruz, where you now need to find out, okay, projecting who is going to be that middle lineup lefty thumper the righty thumper, just that middle lineup stump now that you were projecting to get from Cruz. Yeah, and I, I did have a question for you, Marty, dealing with, uh, you know, the starting rotation. You were talking about, you know, 2023 or 2024 would be their uh, major impact. And you did mention Cody Bolton a little bit there. Um, do you think that he makes the starting rotation somewhere in the middle of the season? I mean, I definitely think it's possible that you see Bolton next year. I mean, he got to double-A last year. He spent this season at the alternative training site down in Altoona. He's a guy the Pirates think very highly of. But, you know, even – I think of, uh, of the pitchers in the Pirates organization right now, of the highly rated guys, Bolton probably in the lower half of that to begin with, <clears throat> Excuse me, which is not necessarily a knock on him. And just more of a representative of how good the Priester Malone Thomas trio can really be. But, you know, even even if Bolton turns into a top of the rotation arm and that happens next year, like, man, this rotation's a mess. I know they fish well lately, but overall, this rotation's a mess right now. I mean, I know that we will get into this more, but it's like Joe Mustard is probably going to be traded. I don't think Trevor Williams is here next year. You know, you don't know what you're going to get from Jameson Tyone. Mitch Keller's got all the potential in the world, but he hasn't shown it. I mean, you're looking at going into 2021 with your most reliable starting pitcher potentially being Stephen Brawl. So even if Cody Bolden comes out next year and puts it together and shows why he's a highly rated prospect, you're, you're going to need a lot more than just one guy doing that in this rotation. It, it is, though. I think it is so fun um, to start to begin this speculation about when are we going to see Priester? When are we going to see Bolton Thomas? These guys that, that we've been hearing so much about. Uh, but also, I think right now it's kind of fun to see some of the, the older, uh, I guess, players in this class of younger talent start to get to the majors and start to have some success. JT Brubaker this season. Uh, and really, I want to focus on, obviously, his start here against Chicago in game one of the series this week. Unbelievable. Nine strikeouts, only allowing two runs couple of walks, he went six and two-thirds. Um, new career high and innings and, and strikeouts there. How about the start from, from Brubaker? Unfortunately, the offense had to spoil it for him. Yeah, and we were even talking about the group chat a little bit uh, about Brubaker, and a lot of us were thinking that, you know, he might be a back end of the bullpen gun if it's just what it looked like he had. But I kind of want to ask Marty a little bit here. Is Brubaker a starter? I mean, right now on this team, he absolutely is. Um, I've always been of the opinion, personally, that Brubaker's 
future would be in the bullpen. But, I mean, there, there's no denying how well he has pitched out of the starting rotation this year. Um, he had that one start against the White Sox where he got knocked around pretty bad, gave up seven runs or whatever it was. But outside of that start, he's been consistent. Uh, and, again, it goes back to this rotation right now. You know, why would you not have JT Drewbaker in your rotation to start 2021? You know, he might be a big part of your future and the rotation. And, again, it's like, you know, he, he's better than Keller has. Um, you know, you again, I love Jameson Tyler, and you have no idea what you're going to get coming out of second Tommy John. Chad Poole struggled. Like, I see no reason – even if his long-term home does to be in bullpen, J.T. Brewbreaker to start 2021, in my opinion, should have a spot in rotation. Like, go, going in to spring training 2021, there are three guys, if I'm the Pirates, or 100% of my rotation. It's Brewbreaker and Brawl because they've earned it, and it's Mitch Keller because even though Keller struggled, he has too much potential to not have him just out there every five days and it's going to be sink or swim time for him next season. I think we did see some promising signs with that six-inning no-hitter. Um, I'm not sure what Shelton was thinking if he just wanted to get him out, you know, dealing with uh, – he wasn't injured, and they weren't even sure he was going to come back if maybe it dealt with that. But that last start he did have, he, he did show why he was a specific prospect, and I just hope it can translate uh, to more quality starts going forward. I think, like you mentioned, Cody, the health is such a big deal there. You know, you have to to kind of nurse Keller to an extent. But I think since he's come back, we've seen the velocity up on the fastball. We've seen him locating a, a better, you know. And, and like you said, six scoreless wasn't too bad his last time out. Let's talk about the staff really throughout this series. These last three, we've seen some incredible starts. Like you mentioned, Stephen Brawl, uh, six strikeouts in game number two there. He went seven scoreless, five no-hit innings. He's got this ERA down to 338 on the season. How about that? Closing out uh, the year here, probably closing out the year with 17 consecutive scoreless innings. Brawl has come along, and like you said, Marty, this dude has earned himself a spot in the rotation to begin 2021. It's that changeup. It is. Yeah, I, I mean, Brawl, Brawl without a doubt, he earned it. I mean, you can go back to – you know, ever since May 18th of last year, he's just been consistent. And he has that one outing this year, his lone outing out of the bullpen against the Tigers, that was just a disaster. Didn't get an out, could charge four or five runs, whatever it was. That outing aside, since May 18th of last year, his ERA is under four. Like, you're going to take that out of a number four, number five type starting pitcher. And I think what's most encouraging to me this year with Brawl as well is if you look at some of his, if you dig a little bit deeper, you know, his exit velocity off of his pitches is only 85.8 miles per hour, and the hard hit rate is 32.7%. Well, his exit velocity is in the 93rd percentile in baseball, so hard hit rate's in 84th percentile. And that's a big reason why he cut down on home runs this year is because guys just weren't squaring him up. And even though he didn't strike out a ton of guys and his walk rate was higher than you'd like, when guys aren't, squaring him up, when they do put the ball in play, you're going to get a lot of outs out of it. And that's what we saw from Brawl this year. Weak contact, ground balls, 
stuff like that that's going to get you out of jams if you get into a jam because you're walking a few guys. And while Brault's walk rate was up a little bit this year, his strikeout rate did go up as well, climbed up over 21%, which you'd still like to see being a little bit higher, but you're going to take that. He seemed to really make a lot of strides this year with a changeup, like you mentioned, Cody. His slider made a lot of strides this year as well. I, I just – I'm not saying Brault's ever going to be some top of the rotation arm. He's not. But there's no reason he cannot, at least I think from what we have seen the last, you know, calendar year plus, and especially this season, he's proven to me at least that he has made the changes that he needed to make. And I think a lot of credit there goes to Oscar Marine that he, he's taken that step to be a consistent quality middle of the back end of the rotation arm. Yeah, that's what I was going to mention was, do you think uh, his success translates into – uh, Marines teaching, and as well, getting a little more familiar with uh, Stalling his catcher. I mean, I know the guy gets a lot of flack, but I think Jacob Stallings is one of the big reasons why the pitching staff as as a whole uh, has made the turnaround. I, I think I heard the ERA was one fifty the past nine or so games. Yeah, I, I think those are definitely both factors, especially the Oscar Marine thing. I mean, we saw all year the, the change in pitch usage by the Pirates. I mean, I, I have brought some of them in front of me here. Last year, he threw his four-seam or 51% of the time. That was down to 40% this year. His change-up usage went up by 10%. His slider usage went up almost 20%. Like, and that's the kind of stuff you got to credit to a pitching coach and change the pitching philosophy and identifying what pitches of yours work best, things of that nature. So I definitely think that a lot of the credit's got to go to Austin Marine. I think a lot of the credit goes to, like you said, Cody, Stallings as well. These pitchers have said it in the past. They trust Jacob Stallings. They have confidence in Jacob Stallings. And you can see when they're pitching to him. I mean, Stallings entered tonight's game with the most innings caught in the National League this year. And, again, I think that's also a testament to the trust the pitchers have and that the Pirates play him as often as they do. So I, I think that with the success of Brawl and other pitchers this year, you know, Chris Stratton, Nick Curley, Richard Rodriguez, guys who kind of turn things around, you know, Marine and Stallings deserve a lot of credit in general for the pitchers who were able to find success this season. Trevor Williams had so much uh, confidence in Jacob Stallings last year. They decided to go rogue for a little bit. So there you go. Um, I love you guys are talking about. I mean, just just a new face to this pitching staff. Oscar Marine has come in and made so many guys comfortable. And, and Uncle Ray, I think, is so good at, at reviving careers and, and turning some players around. But Marine's strategy is to build on figuring out what's best for these pitchers. We're seeing it. Stephen Brault is a prime example as he closes out the year here. Trevor Williams in game three, after uh, a couple of just abysmal starts, comes out, goes deeper than I think everybody thought he would tonight. Um, three hit, yeah. You know, the, the solo bomb to Rizzo there in the first is the only run that's worth the entire game. Four strikeouts, really a, a, a great turnaround there for Williams, wouldn't you guys say? Yeah, yeah, it, it, was, it was a good turnaround, but I think a lot of us uh, have come to the conclusion that Trevor Williams probably saw his last game as a pirate. Um, his contract the next season uh, just does not translate to what this team wants to be, and I, I think we're going to see it. Yeah, I agree with you, Cody. I mean, if you look at Williams, he's arbitration eligible. He made $2.8 this year. 
even with his struggles, he's probably looking and still making four million plus next year. I just can't see the Pirates paying him that. Um, that's not necessarily to say he's not back, but I definitely think there's a good possibility he gets non-tendered. Maybe they work something else out. The odds of that are probably unlikely because if the Pirates want to keep him around at that point, they'd probably pay him the extra two million he's going to make. But just it just hasn't worked for him this year. You know, that ERA is still well over six. Any other – it's not like it's one of these guys where if you look at peripheral numbers, there's some encouraging signs there. There's not. His tip was over six. The DRA was over six. His walk rate's a career high. He was, he's allowed more home runs than anybody in baseball this year. And there's just nothing there that gives you confidence or gives you hope that he's going to turn things around. And it's unfortunate. I mean, Trevor was really good for the team from the time he entered the rotation in 2017 up until when he got hurt last year. You know, he's a funny guy. He's a charismatic guy. He's very easy to root for. But it just it just hasn't worked out. And, you know, we were going on, what, a almost 30-start stretch now where he's just been abysmal. And I just cannot see them wanting to pay him what he's going to make in arbitration this year. No, and, and, the, and the one quality sign that you always saw from Trevor was his exit velocity. That was the one thing people saw. And like, on paper, this guy isn't a bad pitcher. And then you see uh, the product translate on the field, and you go, what the hell happened? Am I reading off the right paper? Is this the same guy? And I think you're right, Marty. I don't think the Pirates are going to pay him. Uh, it's just standing still. Yeah, like you said, he's always done a good job of limiting quality contact. I, I mean, 2017, his hard hit rate was under 30%. 2018, it was right at 31%. Last year, it's 36% plus. Like, I just yeah. – guys aren't late on his fastball anymore. They're not missing it anymore. I know they tinkered a lot with him. This year, we're trying to throw a slider more and trying to throw the curve more. And neither of those found any success. I mean, opponents slugged over 500 against both those pitches. I just, I think his time in Pittsburgh is probably up. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's just so sorry to cut you off, Cody. But, you know, it, it's, it's frustrating. You know the work that you put in this offseason throughout quarantine and everything else. We're part of the you know, most starters. Uh, it, it, it's such a difficult decision to make, but one that, that's so necessary. When that window of contention comes around, Trevor Williams isn't going to be on this team. Sorry, you can go ahead, Cody. No, no, I, I was just going to say, I, I think this was something that Oscar Marine saw, and I think he thought he could fix it, and I, I think this is just, it's just not going to work. Marine tried. Trevor tried. It, it's just not going to translate, and that, that's all I just. Want to say. Yeah, no, and, and you know, it's a, it's a great point because I think people at times maybe think that that certain players are given up on, but with Trevor, there's been so many chances, and, and they've worked. They, they've tried to figure it out, and Marine was vocal this past offseason about how excited he was to have Trevor Williams on his staff, um, and, and it's just not it's not doing the trick anymore. And I think a 60 game season. It's tough for a lot of players because it's such a small sample size. And, you know, maybe we see Trevor turn around at some point in a 162 uh, games uh, year, but 
his time in Pittsburgh is probably coming to a close here. Um, but it was good to see him come out and, and give a great showing there in his probably final start as a Pirate. We talk about it every single episode, um, and, and we hate to overdo it. We don't want to overhype anybody here. But, oh, my goodness, gentlemen, Cabrian Hay continues to just show out another bomb back-to-back tonight after Adam Frazier went deep in the bottom of the first. Really nice ranging play there um, in the middle innings. How about it? I, I just love it. It's so much fun talking about Cabrian Hayes. I could do it all the time. Showing out again tonight in game number three against the Cubs. Just to correct you, though, it was three home runs in a row. You can't forget about my boy Stalin. Oh, no. Coming from the night before, you're right. Three in a row there. How about that? (laughs) Yeah, with the the, um, conductor of the Brian Hayes hype train over here, I mean, I know I've mentioned it before on this podcast. You know, Nolan Arenado has posters of him in his bedroom. Matt Chapman looks up to Brian Hayes. I'm just saying, Hayes has only played 20 games, and Manny Machado is the only third baseman in the National League with a higher war than him. So I'm not trying to over-exaggerate here, but in the God's honest truth is, Brian Hayes very well might be the best third baseman in the National League already. It is extremely possible that is the case. And next year will be the big test, obviously, when he plays his first 162-game season. but Man, he's just – he kills the baseball. He's a great eye at the plate. He's one of the best defensive third basemen you're ever going to see. Just He does it all, and it's easy to see why he was such a highly rated prospect, and it's easy to see why the Pirates, back before spring training, got shut down. We're trying to work out a long-term contract with him before he never even stepped on a major league field. Like The dude is good. And like we mentioned on the last podcast – it's just so nice because the Pirates have not had this as they traded Andrew McCutcheon. It is so nice to once again have that faith in the franchise, have that guy who every time he steps to the plate, you expect him to come through, have that guy that's going to be your superstar, that everyone in baseball is going to know that you can build around. It's just great to finally have that again in Pittsburgh. The only thing we're missing is the dreadlocks, though, am I right? Pretty much. Yeah, I, I, and I know that sounds a little exaggerated, but I, I think Kibrian might be able to take that extra step once this team actually gets its thing together, and Kibrian might be able to lead this train, uh, no pun intended, but lead the train to the, to the promised land. You, I'm not saying World Series, but I'm saying you might be able to make a deep playoff run once you get the right pieces in place. Oh, no doubt. And Cabrian Hayes is such a great centerpiece. I think it's crazy the energy, the clubhouse presence, the hustle, everything you're seeing. This, this is a top two player. And, you know, the one, no, no doubt, yeah, you know, one concern I think was the launch angle. And he's made an adjustment. You know, he's got it up. He's, he's really lifting the ball a bit more than we saw in spring training and uh, in years past in the minors. Such a fun player to watch. Um, another really coveted rookie in this system that we've been waiting for a while to see, Jared Oliva comes up and makes his debut this week against the Chicago Cubs. Now, I, I, you know, Cody, I don't want to, um, you know, ruffle any feathers here. I know you're a big Jared Oliver guy. Struggles at the plate here. What are you guys' thoughts on, on Jared Oliver's debut? He does go 0-6, but I think some, some positive takeaways as well. Yeah, there's always, 
going to be silver linings when when I talk about Jared Oliver. I mean, the guy can play good defense in the outfield. There, there's no doubt about that. Um, the the main thing with Oliver is just get him on base. Once you get Jared Oliver on base, pitchers are going to be worried about his base feeling. The guy showed several times that he can swipe bags and swipe bags often. And as we talked about in previous episodes, the, the theme of this Pirates team, especially within the uh, minor league system, is speed. And I think Jared Oliver leads that charge. It's just, you just got to get him on base. He's not going to turn into Billy Hamilton where he bats, you know, 110. But he, he's going to be a guy who probably bats around 230, 240, and he might swipe you 35 bags each. Yeah, I mean, Oliver's a guy who I ultimately I think he probably on a good team is a fourth outfielder, but that's still a valuable thing to have, especially with his speed. Where you know, late in the important game, he can come in and swipe you a bag, he can come in and give you good defense in the outfield. I, I will be curious to see how things kind of shake out the outfield next year. I mean, even with his struggles, you know, Brian Reynolds is going to be out there every day, and. You know, do they look to bring in a center fielder? Do you play all of them? Do you go with Anthony Alford when he gets healthy? Because he flashed some things before he got hurt. And he's a guy that Charrington's familiar with. You know, where does Gregory Polanco fit in here? So I, I definitely think, especially if the Pirates do not add an outfield in the offseason, that would be the free agency trade, whatever it might be. There's going to be a bat to be had for all of them in the spring. And I wouldn't be surprised next year to see them, you know, some sort of rotation with Oliver and, and, and Alford in center field, or if the National League does throw the designated hitter, potentially trying to DH Polanco some more. So I expect Oliver to get an opportunity next year, especially if they don't add anyone in the outfield in the offseason. And, you know, as a player, that's what we can ask for is an opportunity because once you're given that opportunity, you know, the, the, the ball's in your court at that point. Yeah, I, I think I think you mentioned it, and I think it's a something that people don't talk about a whole lot is that DH factor. If there is a DH implemented into the National League, I think you're going to see Polanco most times play that DH role, and that opens up an outfield slot for Oliver to just slide right on in. Yeah, and as I've mentioned on here before, I do personally expect there to be a DH in 2021. You're going to get it in the CBA at the end of the season anyhow. And having it this year to me, it just makes no sense to get rid of it for one season just to bring it back again in 2022. So I do think that's a possibility. I think a lot of that also, not to get off on a totally different topic here, but I think a lot of that also hinges on what happens with Josh Bell. Um, if you trade Bell in the offseason, I definitely think you see Polanco probably as your primary DH start the season, which creates a bad follow-up. But if you hold on to Bell, especially now with Hayes up here locking down third base, you're still going to get Moran's bad in the lineup. So you're either going to have Moran for some Bell DH or vice versa. But it, 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 it's going to be interesting offseason for Pirates. I, I do think if you look at what the, the opening day roster was this year, this is what the opening the roster is going to be next spring. Even the roster from now to next spring, I think you're going to see a lot of turnover. So, uh, but all of the guy who I expect to get an opportunity at some point. Just slide Moran at the shortstop. You'll be. 
with you know with some of the lineups we've seen this year too. Oh, well, uh, we'll pick whoever, wherever. Call the wrong shortstop. Let's start the campaign now. Um, but but to, to go off of that, too, Marty, I, I think having the DH has really opened up everybody's eyes to the potential of of some of the things that the Pirates can do with this lineup with Gregory Polanco, you know, with some of these guys, and I think it really you know, plays in the favor of guys like Jared Oliver that are looking for opportunities. Gives them an extra uh, bat in the lineup there and another chance to get somebody else in the field, potentially. Another youngster we need to touch on here, Austin Davis, uh, has come up. He's stranded every single runner he has inherited. Um, you know, Austin Davis, how about, how about him coming in in game three tonight as well and, and doing a great job? Yeah, he's, he's a solid left handed guy coming out of the bullpen i don't think he's gonna lose you too many games I, and I, i'm i'm just want to reiterate what you mentioned in the chat a little early uh i think it was yesterday you said basically the only guys that have a guaranteed spot in that bullpen are stratton hartley and probably austin davis and i, I think austin davis once spring does come around like you said i think he's going to be given all the opportunities in the world to become a solid left-handed uh, guy out of the bullpen. Those three, that, that is, when I said that, that was under the assumption that Richie Rodriguez will be traded this offseason. If Rich Rod is not traded, I think he will. Probably your clothes are going into 2021, so he'll be here. But I just, with the amount of trade talk that was going into the deadline, uh, I've just kind of gone ahead and assumed that Rich Rod will probably move in the offseason. I, I would. Well, Blake Cedarland, too, I forgot to mention him, but. Yeah, I see. Having options, I don't think it's a guarantee people makes the roster out of training just simply because he has options and other guys don't. Yeah, oh, yeah, a lot to consider there with Cedarland. Um, and, and you know, he came in this week and, and had a bit of a rough go at it, but he's looked good. I think, um, I, I think I'm kind of with you too, Cody. I think Cedarland has. Probably a, a good chance of making this roster come spring, but with options, you never know. And like you said, Marty Richrod, um, if he's still around, will definitely be a part of this bullpen as well. And what's kind of funny to think about with Austin Davis is when that acquisition happened, you guys remember Carson Fulmer was brought on around the same time, and we thought Fulmer was going to have a little bit more of a chance. And Austin Davis has come in, like you said, grabbed the bull out of horns and has dominated his last few trips out. Uh, Eric Gonzalez staying hot. Some, some other good things to take away here. The Pirates win two out of three out of these first three against the Cubs. Game number four coming on Thursday before they hit the road for Cleveland. Cole Tucker has officially been shut down for the remainder of the season. I don't think that comes as a surprise to anybody. Uh, but uh, this infield will move on without Tucker for the rest of the year. Cody Patanko, man of many, many contacts this week. He was catching up with minor leaguer Mason Martin down in Altoona. His article is out now, Talking Alternate Training Site Life with Mason Martin. Cody, Mr. Martin, uh, a very interesting young man, a, a great article there. What did he have to say? He's pumped. He, he was he was pumped about, you know, getting that opportunity to uh, be a part of that taxi squad. And like the name suggests, you're a taxi away from making it to the majors and obviously you know he didn't get that opportunity to make it to the majors this year but um he talked a lot about you know learning a lot and uh getting in touch with uh nuns 
uh, the hitting coach down in the minor leagues there, um, getting in the cage and uh, just working on working on fastballs up in the zone and getting that top hand and just consistently barreling uh, those balls. But yeah, he's extremely uh, excited just to get in the extra at-bats. And he said that this season wasn't lost on him just due to the fact that he's been working with all his teammates and getting in touch with all of the coaching staff down and out over in Altoona. Um, he's extremely, extremely hopeful um, that with this hard work and him getting invited to instructs, um, which is a big thing for him, just getting more at bats to make that final push to eventually maybe get that September call up uh, to the majors. Uh, I even asked him, are we going to see him uh, in that beautiful script lettering in the Pirates uniform? And he said he's going to try like hell. So this young slugger, and we don't have a whole lot of sluggers uh, besides Cruz, and we talked about that already. Um, in this system. So I'm extremely excited uh, to see some Martin jerseys here soon. Oh, yeah. Definitely. He, you know, he just seems so energetic. Like you're saying, he just works so hard, wants it so bad. Uh, you mentioned in the article about his emotions when he got that taxi squad call. Talk about that a little bit and just kind of, you know, what you can tell about personality-wise for Mason Martin really seems like, like an excellent kid. He, he really is. And the initial conversation I had with Mason was months ago, and he seemed a little standoffish with me. Obviously, I, I played Creeper a bit and, you know, DM'd him on Instagram, and so that's got to be a little off-putting. Um, but now he just seems really relaxed. Um, he, he's a goofy guy. Um, I think a lot of us tend to forget that a lot of these athletes are just humans. You know what I mean? They're just regular guys that – it's just not a nine to five job. They're getting paid to do what they love. And don't we all want that in our lives? And he just seems willing and able to do anything uh, just to get that one shot at the majors. You know, Jared Oliva, you know, he's the same exact way. And, and you see that a lot with uh, the guys that I talk to. And I'm sure that's all throughout the minors. But Mason is, he's a special guy. And, I think once we see Bell leave, because it's pretty inevitable, he's going to offer a lot of money, and I don't think the Pirates are going to be able to shell it out. I think you may see Martin in first base in probably 2023, 2024 starting. Yeah, that's, um, you know, and it really, I think things line up well for guys like Mason Martin that are going to probably have an opportunity, like you said, with Bell potentially um, leaving this roster sooner than later. Uh, but but as a whole, did you get a chance to ask him about just how things are looking in Altoona right now at the uh, the alternate farm system? There? Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, Altoona, I'm pretty sure, uh, wrapped up on Thursday last week, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but he talked about a lot of the he talked a lot about the pitching staff. Uh, we we talked through text um, for about two weeks before the interview, and he just kept telling me that a lot of these guys on the pitching staff are going to be really nasty really soon. Um, he mentioned guys, uh, one of them was uh, Cody Bolton. Uh, Cody Bolton has been turning some heads over there in Altoona. Um, another guy uh, he talked about was Blake Cedarland, and, a.k.a. Prince Charming from Shrek. 
<laughs> talked about his uh, just high velo. Um, he talked about Max Kranich, uh, a guy a lot of people don't uh, realize is actually a pretty decent prospect. Um, he's, he's definitely under the radar there. Um, he Max Kranich controls uh, throughout the zone consistently. Uh, his velo has gone up. I think he said about four or five miles per hour. Um, so yeah, you, you just need to watch out for the pitching staff. He said, and there there are some sluggers. Uh, he talked about uh, Rodolfo Castro. Uh, I think he hit a home run once every day for a week. I think uh, in simulated games. Um, he obviously talked about himself and how he's the best ever to be. No, I'm kidding. But uh, yeah, Mason's just a talkative guy, and he's always a good interview. Yeah, that's awesome, man. It's so cool to hear minor leaguers talk about other minor leaguers, especially this year with the situation, just because we're seeing them every day. They're playing with them. They're competing with them every day for spots, and to hear him, you know, hype up the pitching stuff like that is awesome. And, you know, call out some of the sleeper guys, like you mentioned there. It's really cool to see. Um, great article, guys. Go check it out right now. You can find it on our social media or fansided.com slash rumbunter, or you can just type in rumbunter.com. Again, that's Talking Alternate Training Site Live with Mason Martin. Coming great stuff as always. That is all the time that we have for this episode. Thanks so much for joining us again, Cody. Um, always great insight. We love having you here. No problem, guys. Until next time, the Pirates will wrap up this series with Chicago, the final home game of the season on Thursday. They will then hit the road and head to Cleveland to wrap up the year. Right now, they're in position for the first pick in the draft if they decide to go with the reverse uh, order there, like things are steaming. Come on, Rocker. Come on, Kumar. The hunt is almost over. Only a little bit of stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We messed right. it up with Harper. Yeah. You know, we got lighter. Other guys, too, if they don't get first pick. But it's looking like this team is going to have to do a lot to not come in there yet. After Kumar, it's almost there. A little bit more suffering. And then it's all over. We're going to recap that Cleveland series for you on Sunday and get prepared for this 2020 leading into 2021 offseason. It's going to be a big one. We have a lot to talk about. As always, you can find us on Apple Music on fansided.com slash rumbunter, on our social media, and now on omni.com as well. For Marty Leap and Cody Katenko, my name is Trianity. Thank you so much for joining us again. Until next time, let's go Bucks.